Welcome to This Grit and Grace Life. You've got questions, we've got answers. From the boardroom to the bedroom, car lines to college, single, married, or single again, we're bringing real answers to help you live and love your grit and grace life. Welcome to This Grit and Grace Life. I'm Darlene Brock. Well, hello there, friends. I am still Julie Bender. <laughs> you same. are still Julie Bender, and you're still Julie Bender growing still a baby. Pregnant, still pregnant. <laughs> yeah. Despite all the people who are coming up to me like, oh, you almost must be so ready. I'm like, no, it's a long time. Yeah. It's awkward for you that I still have a long way to go, and you're implying I'm due tomorrow. It's yeah. fine, everyone. Yeah. There are two awkward places. One is when you're really early pregnant, mm. Are you or are you not? Mm-hmm. And then, oh, you're due any time. Are you saying I look like a whale? No, I that mean, is what they're saying, 100%, yeah. <laughs> including my husband. I don't mean to put him under the bus, but I'm like, you need to stop talking. Yeah, that's, that's... It's fine. Yeah, just tell him to tell you always you're just gorgeous. Well, no, he says that too, but I'm like, but you're just going heavy on the heaviness. You know what I'm saying? It's like, <laughs> yeah. they don't really go together, love. Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> well, speaking of babies, you had a baby shower recently that I attended, and it it was so great and such a wonderful celebration, but something that I realized while I was there, there were a lot of conversations about some fears in life right mm. now. So it was kind of this juxtaposition of life. Of like the scary times and the sweet times of hope and expectation, but also like, what is this world coming to? Yeah, yeah, for sure. But, you know, we think a lot primarily about our fears. So I thought we'd delve a little bit into what people are afraid of first. Interesting. Okay, well, this is not surprising to me, and I can't decide if I am this or not. Approximately 4% of the population suffers from arachnophobia, which is the fear of spiders. Do you have this? No, not at all. Okay, I don't think I do either, because I remember one time in my first condo, a spider came up out of my oven, which is weird. That is weird. (laughs) And it looked like a tarantula, I think, upon later looking at Uh it. It was a brown spider, but it was huge. Yeah. And I was able to react and get the raid and spray it. And it like went down real small, but then it like came right back up like 12 <laughs> seconds later. And I was like, oh no, you don't. And I attacked it again <laughs> instead of running for my life, which yeah. is probably what I would have done if I was actually afraid of it. I think you're right. Okay. Fears can become extinct. What? Interesting. You do this by creating non-fearful memory associations. If you're afraid of flying, you might want to associate flying with the joy of seeing loved ones once you land. Okay. I could see that. That makes sense. Okay. I'll do that sometime. I I do wonder how many people have the fear of flying. Mm -hmm. According to the CDC, the odds of being struck by lightning in a given year are only around one in 500,000. But that is a common fear, I think. Well, and we live in Florida, which is the lightning capital of the world. Are our odds worse? I think they could be. (laughs) Okay. All right. So you can literally smell fear. Weird. The body gives off certain chemical signals, specifically in the sweat produced that we can pick up, which is why you might see crowds erupt in mass panic. They smell each other, so they run? Yeah, that last sentence, I'm not sure I understand. Moving on. Social phobias... (laughs) are the most common type of fear. Okay, this makes sense. They're considered an anxiety disorder and include excessive self-consciousness in social situations. I have this. I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Not at all. But I know a lot of people who do. It's a very real thing. It is. It is real. All right, I found this one fascinating. 
Alexander the Great, Napoleon, Mussolini, and Hitler all had allurophobia. It's the fear of cats. I don't know if I said it exactly right, but they feared cats. Feared cats or just disliked cats? What's it called when you just dislike cats? Because I have that one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's a fear. Wow. I just think it's a preference. But they were apparently afraid of them. Interesting. Yeah. I feel like we could have put that to better use. I think so, too. With Hitler. Mm-hmm. Okay, nearly 8.7% of people in the U.S. aged 18 or over have at least one specific phobia. I mean, it would be kind of fun to kind of go around the room at your next dinner party and ask what everyone's fear is. Okay, what is? Your, do you have one? Well, I mean, now that I'm being pressed, I can't think of one, but I'm sure I'm. I snakes. They, Just came they to me. freak snakes. Out. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. Can't do it. Oh, I found a rad, rattlesnake in the yard when I was spraying weeds in the mountain house, like three feet away from me. No. I jump three feet in the air when I see one. Do you? Yeah. I just went, dang! I think that's a rattlesnake. No. Yeah. Yeah, no. I'm get, like I'm like like getting a little anxious right now thinking about it. So definitely snakes. <laughs> okay, snakes. What's yours? Um, I I you I I don't think I am to the same degree, but heights. Oh, okay, yeah, that's common. Yeah, heights used to just freak me out. But I would we build a house in Tennessee when we lived there, when it got to the attic level, but no walls. I my older brother was building it, and I said, Bob, take me up there because I want to conquer this. Interesting. So I made him walk me to the edge and hold on to me just so I could look down. I know it's weird. You I know it's perverse. The, you were you were trying to extinct that fear. I think I was. That's funny. I think I was. Interesting. We all have fears, different kind of fears, but I think the the circumstances of the world now may be creating kind of this level of fear mm-hmm. and concern and uncertainty that I, I know in my life I don't think I've experienced before. Not just a constant, mm-hmm. just going on, seems like every day in every circumstance, you kind of have this underlying grit your teeth. Yeah, it's like, a, it's like an undercurrent of just like you said, uncertainty, uncomfortability, not being sure what's coming or how to really prepare. It's true. And I I don't want to live that way. I don't want to live where the fear is this, you know, low hum in my body. Mm -hmm. I want to rise above it. I want to celebrate the life that we have at the same time, understanding and facing some of the reality of the world that we live in. So how do we do that? Because when you proposed, we talk about this. I was like, well, this just makes me think about, yeah, I am kind of scared to be bringing a baby into this world. And and I can kind of start to think about that fear and then recognize that there's zero health in allowing my mind to go there. And instead, I should be thankful for the fact that the Lord is allowing us to add to our family and that there's purpose in that. And he wouldn't give us this baby if he wasn't going to you know, walk with us and give us everything that we need, not to say that it'll be easy, but to say that there is purpose and value and that she will have a calling in this world and it will be our job and responsibility as her family to help her realize those things. But that's hard. It's hard to force my brain to stay there. It is hard. And I think, you know, if we go to Dr. Zoe, she would probably tell us to identify our concerns first. Mm, That's true. You know, where we, we, to work through them, we need to face whatever our fear is. So, you know, if I'm going to do that, I need to start with what are my concerns? And that is looking at your children and my grandchildren and think what is the world going to look like that they're growing up in? That really, really concerns me. Are they going to have the ability to pursue things? Are they going to become 
financially less opportunistic because the world has changed. Is their culture going to be one that following their faith, they're going to be confronted negatively for? Is that all going to happen? Those are my concerns is how, not, not as much for me, but for you and the next generation, how are you going to be able to deal with it? And it's, it's in, it kind of feels like that's where we're going. Oh, for sure. I mean, you just look at the headlines on any given day and it, it is fear inducing. It is, you know, anxiety causing, but we have to go back to our faith, right? And say, for such a time as this, I was put here and I will have everything that I need to endure and not just endure. We don't want to just survive. We want to thrive. And I think there's value in choosing to try to live that way instead of buckling under the things that is easy to be fearful of. It's true. And I think part of that is when you say choosing, choose to concentrate on the things that bring you joy. Mm-hmm. Choose to concentrate on the, the wonderfulness of this life. The fact that you and Donnie and Lincoln are bringing a new life into this world Sure, you don't know what that life's going to be faced with, but you also know exactly what you said. This little girl's going to be able to handle it mm-hmm. because she's here now. And Julie, I think one of the things about being, you know, in this world today and raising your children in this world today is you first have to be able to overcome your fears, mm-hmm. your concerns, your challenges to be able to teach them that they can as well. Right. So I think in in what we're dealing with, there's so many different things that, you know, whether it's the COVID or, you know, racial tensions or whether it's economic problems, you know, they just seem to all go one after the other after the other and, you know, kind of send our heads spinning. So how do we face each of these in a healthy and a Christ-like way? I think we have to sort that out first. Can you tell me how to do that? Because <laughs> that's literally how I've been thinking. I mean, definitely the anxiety of bringing a baby into this world within the specific, you know, questions or, you know, seemingly insecurities that are just present in our own home with the emotions of the dynamics of our story and, you know, um, the layers there. Those are the questions that are circling in my mind. And, part of you starts to think, well, I don't want to oversimplify it and just say, I just have to trust Jesus. But also at the same time, it's like, I kind of just have to trust Jesus. And what does that look like? You know, that's a daily surrender. It's a daily acknowledgement of, even though I am fearful, I will choose to, you know, rely on the, the trust, the trust that I can have in a good God who knows way more than me. <laughs> Every single day. <laughs> so true, Julie. I think that I think that's the beginning. I think that's like the launching point and the constant mm-hmm. that we have to live in. And then to me, the the second part is once you have had a relate built a relationship with him and studied what he says about how we should live life, then start applying those things to how we live life. Mm-hmm. And understanding that in you know, in the eternal perspective, we are equal. There is no division among humanity. We are all human. And we discussed that a little bit with Tori Sorge. Good podcast to go back and listen to. But, you know, we need to approach it that way. All right, these are our starting places. And another one, the economy, 
our reliance is not on the finances we have. It's on the God who provides it. And working, find a way to make money, Mm -hmm. find a way to build a career. All of those are completely godly principles that are within his word. Right. And, and, and I think that's just choosing to not try to solve all of those problems at once or have this grand, you know, detailed long-term plan. I think that's sometimes what we as moms, um, that's what we want. We think that's where the security is going to be having, you know, the next 12 steps predetermined and we're not promised that like the Bible actually says, don't worry about tomorrow. It has enough worries of its own. Focus on today and recognize that I will provide for all of your needs and to be faithful to what God has called you to in this moment, in this day, you know, and to not let your mind wander to trying to figure it all out far, far in advance. It's true. And I think, you know, I I would go back especially to the last few years with COVID and how fearful we all became And I understand that no one, when it's something that you don't know what it is, of course, nobody wants to get it. Nobody wants to be ill. But you know what really concerned me, Julie, is as people of faith, what is the worst thing that we can, can happen to us? It's not death. It's not. And it's like we were so afraid that we weren't living. And that to me is the biggest challenge that we have is not to be so afraid of what could happen that we're not living in what is happening. I am a student of history and you know what history, biblical history, written textbook history tells us that things will be tough, you know? And in fact, I talked to a girl the other day And she said, but God is good, but God is good, but God is good. And I said, you know what, sweetie, and life sucks. (laughs) And it's okay to have both of those understandings and emotions, and history tells us that. So we need to expect some problems in this world. We need to expect some challenges. And I think when you anticipate it, it helps you be able to handle it a little bit better. I think for sure. I mean, when when we are willing to be honest with the kind of both and, of living in this world, then we have a better ability to face the challenges and to be honest in the midst of them and really kind of shepherd our kids through, it's going to be hard and yet we will have everything we need in the midst of any type of challenge that we're gonna face. I feel like that's been something I've kind of been saying to myself, like, can I have a baby again after eight years? Like, I don't know all of the things, but I did it once. I have, you know, a godly loving partner who's going to do it with me and the Lord will show us the way and I'm going to, I'm going to mess up actually, but it's going to be okay. And I think kind of taking some of that pressure off and like you said, acknowledging that there's going to be hard things, but I'm going to learn in them how to tackle each one as it comes and just trusting that that wisdom and grace will be there when the need arises. Yeah. And what you just said is you've done it once. And I think if we look back and go look at the challenges we've already overcome and know that at the time we may have thought we couldn't, we may have been in the middle of it going, I don't see a light at the end of the tunnel, but there was, and you found it. And I think you, you instill that in your kids too, even if it's a math test or a spelling test or just learning to walk the first time. <laughs> that you want to to celebrate their success so they know that they're capable of getting through hard things 
and have success. The next thing I think I want to I want to encourage everybody to do, and I plan on doing it when Julie's baby's born, is mm-hmm. celebrate. Mm-hmm. We tend to focus on the challenges right now, or at least I do. Maybe I'm speaking not speaking for everyone, but it, again, it's an underlying current. But I want to celebrate the great things, the events, the relationships, the funny times. I mean, just the little things, the big things that bring joy in this life. Mm-hmm. It is kind of the first thing to go when you're feeling overwhelmed, when you're scared, when there's anxiety, when there's uncertainty, it feels almost dangerous to celebrate because you're like, well, something bad's about to happen. And so I don't have brain space or time or energy or money to celebrate in this moment. And I think that that's biblically not how God calls us to live. So I think that's a good reminder for all of us that there's something we can and should be celebrating right now. And if it feels like that's not true, then you probably need to take some time and look for and maybe even ask God to show you what there is reason to celebrate. So in our family, I feel like we keep going back to my family. Sorry, not sorry. Um, (laughs) You know, I feel like early on in my pregnancy, I was really not celebrating the fact that we were having a baby because of these looming cultural things that were happening. I I really was fearful of like, this doesn't feel like a great time to have a baby. And in our own home, like some financial insecurity has been going on. And I, I actually, there was a day where I recognized with some conviction that I had not been praising God, that he chose to give us a baby at this time. And that like, he's literally in charge of that and he knows best. And so I recognized that I was focusing on negativity and fear instead of even now celebrating God's goodness and wanting to speak excitement over her like so I found myself being like hey Rev baby sorry that I haven't really talked to you much and been excited about you coming but instead like that's what I'm called to do and that's even before you're out of my womb I want to begin to you know lead you in that way instead of leading with fear and uncertainty so that's something that I've been trying to practice and certainly stumbling my way through but really retraining and refocusing my mind to try to do that better. Well, and I think the big things and the little things for you, Julie, I was, you know, at your baby shower, I think you got 4,012 hair bows. (laughs) Yes. I think you did. I do. I I think that maybe it was 4,013. It might be. There (laughs) were a ton of them. So, you know, I'm saying enjoy the little things too. And I know you will putting those things on her head and dressing her to the nines will be a delight. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, let's, let's celebrate the little joys Mm -hmm. as well as the big ones. For sure. For sure. I did think, okay, so I guess I'll have to have my husband build me something to house all of these bows. (laughs) Ladies, it's true. (laughs) Or I need a crafty friend to come over and help me figure out how to display these because I'm pretty sure there's entire Pinterest boards dedicated to bow storage and that's just something I'm going to have to do. Yes, you will. Celebrate the bow supply. (laughs) You will. You will. The other thing I think that we need to remember is to do it together, Mm. to live this life as community with your family, with your friends, cross-generational, cross-racial, cross-socioeconomic because we're all in this same place. Mm-hmm. And if we do it together, we do it with strength. Mm-hmm. We're stronger in numbers, and especially people of faith, when they have a joint heart and a joint purpose and a joint calling, and that is to live for Christ, 
we're stronger together. Mm-hmm. You know, to go back to the baby shower, that's it's the purpose of having a baby shower, right? To bring the different people from all different sections of your life together. You know, one of my longtime mentors, she looked around and she's like, I don't even know who any of these people are. How do you know all of these people? And I was like, oh, come on, you know her, her, and her out of the 30, whatever, uh, you know? <laughs> I'm like, I don't know, but this that is the beauty of life is God puts you with different people at different seasons and there's always something to glean. And so I think that our children benefit from that, our marriages benefit from that, we benefit from that. And so you're so right to remind us of that, especially in what feels like scary times. Well, and I would encourage you if you're not at that place, maybe you're new in a community or you're, you know, you just don't have a whole boatload of friends. It's not even that you need a boatload, but you need a few you can rely on. So find them. Go to places where people have like interest. Go to, you know, a church or a club or whatever, because really it helps us handle this life when we do it together. All right. I know we've talked about the Lord a lot because that is our anchor, but the good thing about having a relationship with God is you can have a different perspective on everything that's going on around you. And that's what I think we refer to as the eternal perspective. Everything that we experience is temporary. Every hurt, every challenge, every hardship lasts only for a season. Now, it may be your whole life. You have health problems, but you know what? At the end of your life, when you're united with Christ, you no longer do. So you need to remember that whatever it is, is short term. So don't focus on it. Yeah. And I'll just acknowledge for the woman who's hearing that and that maybe at first lands hard because you're really in the thick of the hard thing. It's okay if that lands hard, but this is also an encouragement to really remember the truth that it is temporary and that the Lord is with you in the midst of that thing and that you can be honest and say it's hard, but there's also some intended good for it, even if it's just knowing God in a way you wouldn't otherwise know him as you have to rely on him deeply through that thing. Yeah, and you're so right, Julie, and I don't want to just brush off the hurt because, you know, I can look back at my life because of my age and I have lots of these that I could <laughs> reference. But the one that always has stands out to me as what took so long for the hole to close up was when my father took his life. Mm-hmm. I felt like someone had shot a cannon through my stomach right. and there was this gaping, gaping hole that no one could fix. Right. No one could seal up. No one could make go away. And it took time. Yeah. It took time. And even today, I can tell you that hurt's still there. It's never going to completely go away. What we can say is that was a season of my life. It was not my entire life. But you're right. I don't want to shortchange your pain because you have to walk through it. Yeah. And I think there's beauty that comes from being able to be honest with it. I think that's a recurring theme here on our show. Uh, It's definitely a recurring theme in the last decade of my life of like giving myself permission to feel the hard, but still choose to celebrate, which I think you've reminded us to do in this time together. Because literally everything we face, none of it's a surprise to God. And that can feel trite too. And I don't want it to feel trite. Gosh, (laughs) I don't want it to, but, but it should bring 
a real, you know, ray of hope to your scenario as well. Yeah. And uh, there've been times where something's hit and I've gone, you knew this was coming, didn't you, God? Why didn't you (laughs) forewarn me? Mm -hmm. Maybe I'd have handled it differently and been a little more or a little less reactionary, Mm -hmm. but you're, you're right that he does know it's coming before it's coming, which also means he's prepared us for it. For sure. I started this, Julie, because of the celebration of your baby at the baby shower. And I just walked away thinking of both sides of that coin, as they say. And I hope what we've done today is help women understand that, yeah, there are challenges today that, quite frankly, I don't expect to go away in the near future. But there are joys. But there are delights. But there are wonderful things. And I just want to encourage me as I walked away from that scenario, as well as encourage our listeners to focus on those, to spend time in the things that bring you hope and bring you joy and bring you peace. A Bible verse that I think is really, really helpful to change our perspective is Psalm 143.8. Let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love, for I have put my trust in you. Show me the way I should go, for to you I entrusted my life. To wrap it up like a cute little baby bow that I now have, it's kind of like thinking about that first you know, month or two of bringing a baby home. There's so much change and physical pain and exhaustion, but there's also the glory of this new little person who has arrived and changed your life forever and expanded your heart. It's okay to be honest about both of those types of experiences happening in your own heart and mind in a different way. It might be a job. It might be a divorce. It might be, you know, a cross country or cross world move. And it's okay to, you know, feel the fear, but also celebrate the joy. So thanks for giving me a chance to even talk about this baby. Should we tell them what my baby's name is? I don't know. If oh, know you yet. should. Yeah. Yeah. Go. Um, my baby's name is Reverie Rose. R-E-V-E-R-I-E. Whenever I tell somebody the name, they go, what? <laughs> and so if you were like, what? It's okay. Everyone reacts that way, especially if I let Lincoln say it because he's got like little boy voice and you're like, what, what did you say? Um, but yeah, she is coming and she is like a little dream come true for our family. So I realized we hadn't told our friends yet, maybe even the for sure that it was a girl and that that was her name. So well, we'll just end with that little tidbit. Yeah. So y'all may know before a few of her best friends. Yay. <laughs> I love that. Well, we're glad you joined us this week as we kind of pondered and mused over life and hopefully you leave doing the same and walking away with a little bit of bounce in your step. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of This Grit and Grace Life. Make sure you've subscribed and rated and reviewed the show so more friends can find us. You can also share about this episode on your social media or send it to a friend you think it could help. You can find everything we talked about in this episode on our website, gritandgracelife.com, where you'll also find plenty of other articles from other women answering questions you may have.